0: Her remarkable radiance and beauty knew no bounds. This lovely, benevolent lady from England put a spell on people everywhere. However, the paparazzi's freakish fascination with her and her private life went way too far. Like a shooting star, she burnt so bright, although her time here was unfortunately fleeting. Nevertheless, her legacy will live on forever in our hearts and minds.
1: Two things stand like stone. Kindness in another's trouble. Courage in your own.
0: We'll get to know the people's princess, Lady Di, on this week's episode of FYI. Welcome to For Your Info, English. You got it. it. Hello, 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 and welcome to... Another exciting edition of FYI, and I'm excited about today's show because I have to say, as an American, we're not too fond of royal families. If you remember, that's one of the reasons we crossed the pond and started our own nation taxation without representation. But honestly, I believe that this woman that we're going to talk about today was even above royalty. She had something magical, a certain je ne sais quoi, as the French say. We also use that in English too. If you don't know what it is, but that certain something special that somebody has, that spark, we say je ne sais quoi. Who would have thought you'd be learning French in this episode? All right, well, let's take a look at our intro because, as always, you'll find tons of great vocabulary to improve your speaking in English. This way, you're not using the same old adjectives all the time like most native speakers do. Cool, nice, awesome, great, brilliant... There are thousands, tens of thousands of other adjectives out there just waiting to be used. I started out by saying her remarkable radiance. And remarkable, it means people are going to talk about it. You say notable in Spanish. And radiance is like brilliance, resplandor, you say in Spanish. Her remarkable radiance and beauty New, no bounds. I know you know the word beauty from the word beautiful. Beautiful, precioso, bonito. Beauty, la belleza. And to know no bounds, well, if I tell you that bounds are limites, limits, well, then no conocía limites. Then I said, this lovely, benevolent lady, and we're going to talk about that, she did a lot of things for charity during her short life, so that's why I added the word benevolent there as well. Also, it sounded good with lovely, this lovely, benevolent lady from England put a spell on On people everywhere. And to put a spell on is itchy fat. You probably know it from a famous song. I put a spell on ya. You can say to put a spell on somebody or to cast a spell on somebody. Then I said, however, the paparazzi's freakish fascination with her and her private life went way too far. So the paparazzi, I don't think I have to translate that word. But freakish means too much, excessive fascination with her. And her private life went way too far. Se pasaron tres pueblos. Like a shooting star, una estrella fugaz, she burnt so bright. Although her time here was unfortunately fleeting. Although as aunque... So, two good words there that we could look at. A shooting star and fleeting. Fleeting is what we use to describe beauty, youth, and when we talk about the stars, we say a shooting star. I guess it makes sense if you think about the fact that it shoots across the sky. Nevertheless, no obstante. So, we've looked at however, nevertheless, Although, these are words you need to know, and they're all in the intro. I said her legacy will live on forever in our hearts and minds. Su legado vivirá para siempre. It will live on forever. And then we heard a little soundbite from Diana herself, and we'll hear a few throughout today's shows. She says, two things stand like stone. Hay dos cosas que son como la piedra, que son infalibles. Kindness in another's trouble and courage in your own. So as you can see, Kindness was such an important part of her life. And she was famous for writing these thank you letters for everybody who helped her. And she even got her kids into that habit as well. So are you guys ready to explore the people's princess as they call her? Well, I guess we'll have to go back to the beginning. Diana, princess of Wales, was born Diana Frances Spencer. She wasn't a princess yet. Her birth name, Diana Frances Spencer. And she was born on July 1st, 1961. She was born into British nobility. And she grew up very close to the royal family on their Sardingham estate. And I want to help you guys with the pronunciation here. Because even Americans, we make this mistake. I know in England they say Tottenham. Tottenham, but an American or a Spaniard would say Tottenham, but that ham is um, Sandringham. She was the fourth of five kids, and as I said, she grew up with a silver spoon in her mouth. And this expression, I think in Spanish, is nacer en cuna de oro. And in 1975, she became Lady Di, because her father became an earl. And we're going to look at all those royal positions in the bonus episode. Just a quick reminder, guys, we have a bonus episode every week where we look at additional fun facts. We get a little English lesson where we'll look at royal titles, plus... We're going to look at some conspiracy theories surrounding her death. All of that in the bonus episode. And every week, you can get an extra episode. You can even get PDF documents with all the vocabulary. You can get weekly review classes with me. And you can even get private monthly classes with me. If you're in our interstellar level. So if you want more information, you can go to patreon.com slash Alberto Alonso and join the party. Uh, I mean, the community. Well, it's kind of like a party. We have fun in our weekly and our monthly classes together. And I'm really, really happy with the progress that all of my students have been making. So a nice round of applause for all my patrons, especially my super duper students, Javier. Paco, Roberto, David, Jose Maria, Mila, and Alex. And don't forget about my interstellar students, Carmen, Lina, Isa, Paco, and Edgar. If you guys want to find out more information, all you have to do is go over to patreon.com/ Alberto Alonso. And if you have any suggestions for upcoming episodes, just let me know. Now, where were we? Oh, right. She had just earned the title of Lady Di. Oh, and by the way, you guys say Lady Di, Princesa Di. We say Di because it comes from Diana. As many of you know, that's also my wife's name. But in my house, my daughter's the princess and my wife is the queen. I'm just a lowly peasant. No, I'm just kidding. Well, like any rich girl, she was educated in England and Switzerland. But she was not a straight A student. And what does that mean? A straight A student. Well, A's are sobresalientes. So if you get straight A's, solo sacas sobresaliente. She was a mediocre student, to say the least. But she excelled at other things. Some of the things she excelled at. Diving. piano, swimming, and maybe you guys are familiar with the word Excel. You know it from Microsoft. They have a program called Microsoft Excel, and it means sobresalir. So she didn't really excel at the school subjects. She was excelling more at the extracurricular activities. And her passion, the thing she loved most, was ballet. She wanted to be a ballet dancer, but Unfortunately, she was too tall to be taken seriously. But she kept that love of ballet and the rest of the arts with her for the rest of her life. Then she met a big-eared guy named Charlie, or Chuck, I don't know what they call him, but he seemed to be a pretty important guy in England and perhaps in the world. She was just 16 when she met Charles, and she was a very shy girl. And to be honest, uh, you know, they were in the same circles. So eventually, you know, these families, they kind of keep their kids together, and some of them are even engaged in inbreeding. I think it was endogamia or something you say in Spanish, translation sleeping with your family members yuck and prince charles was initially dating her older sister and then he said wait a second this one's younger she's prettier i'm going with her and in the late 70s i mean charles was uh, you know one of those eligible bachelors and he was heavy on the dating scene he spent time with ladies such as lady jane wellesley the duke of wellington's daughter He also dated the brewery heiress Sabrina Guinness, and the word heiress heredero, heiress, is the female way to say it. He even proposed, that's right, to propose, to pop the question to the granddaughter of his mentor, Lord Louis Mountbatten, oh, and she turned him down. So, I mean, he dated some hot women, and hot in ingleses guapas, buenas, it doesn't mean calientes. But uh, he couldn't find a match, or I think more importantly, no woman wanted to really, really settle down with him. And he always had his mind on another girl who was in these circles, a girl named Camilla Shand. But there was just one problem. This Camilla Shand married a guy named Andrew Parker Bowles in 1973. So the love of his life was lost forever or not. We all recognize the name Camilla now, so she'll come back a little bit later on in our story. But this poor prince was running out of options, and he was under pressure to tie the knot. To tie the knot is another way of saying to get married. So he turned to his mother, the queen, and to Camilla for advice, and they both agreed that Diana would be fit for the role. The role of wife, the role of princess, the role of mother. But little did she know, her biggest role was going to be a spokesperson for many, many causes. And in February 1981, Charles popped the question. To pop the question is another way to say to propose. And I think many people remember this wedding. I was too young. This was in 1981. Maybe some of you listening can remember it being on TV or being in Hola magazine. Let's put it this way, this wedding was the talk of the town. This was the wedding. And I guess it helped that Diana was absolutely beautiful, stunningly beautiful, and she was a fashion icon already. Some people even considered her another Jackie Kennedy, a trendsetter who marca tendencias and she cared very little about the royal dress code. We'll see a little bit later on. She was unorthodox in so many ways, which is why a lot of people say the queen was not a fan of Diana's. But again, we'll look at all that stuff a little bit later when it gets more twisted. Now, you know, they live happily ever after, right? Comieron perdices, we're in the middle of a wedding, right? They're not gonna get divorced, are they? Oh maybe I just gave you guys a spoiler. Anyway, we all know how the story unfolds, but let's go through some of the key details of this amazing wedding. As I said, it took place on Wednesday, July 29th, 1981. It was at St. Paul's Cathedral in London. The wedding dress went down in history as one of the most amazing dresses ever. Just the train... The part that goes behind the dress, the part that drags on the floor, lo llamamos el tren, was 25 feet long. In meters, that's just a little over seven and a half meters long. There were 10,000 hand-sewn pearls on that wedding dress, and it was declared a national holiday. There were 27 wedding cakes, but there was only one that took the cake. (laughs) Llevarse la palma? Okay, bad joke, bad joke. But yeah, there were 27 cakes, and the official cake had a double. Just in case anything happened to it, there was a backup. And let's talk about the engagement ring. This was where we started to see that she was unorthodox. This was the first time that a royal got one that was custom-made. Normally, they would have to use the family jewels, which también significa testículos, by the way. But she wanted to get one that reminded her of her mother's engagement ring. So she broke protocol and said, I'm going to do it my way. And we all know how important protocol is in these royal families. But Diana was a rebel, a rebel with a cause. And that same ring was the one that Prince William used when he asked Kate Middleton to marry him. So as we say, the ring has been passed down from generation to generation. Another unorthodox thing she did was that most royal brides up to that point, including Queen Elizabeth II, Princess Margaret... Princess Anne, they did the traditional vows, las promesas, I think you say. And these were vows that were based on the Anglican Book of Common Prayer, which was from 1662. And these vows read, I vow to obey him and serve him, love, honor, and keep him in sickness and in health. But Princess Diana had a problem with that. She said, wait, 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 wait a second. Yes, I'm going to love him. I'm going to serve him as his wife, and he's going to serve me as my husband. But obey? Obedecer? Mm, No, thanks. I'm not interested in that one. I'm not going to say that one. And she didn't. She took out the obey word. And the same thing happened to her future daughter's-in-law, Kate Middleton and Meghan Markle. They said, I'll love you. I'll honor you. I'm not going to obey you. And I think everybody knows the wedding was the marriage of the century. It was a fairy tale wedding. And it was watched by an estimated global television audience of 750 million people. And I'm not counting the people who saw it live. But as we all know, things don't always end the way they begin, especially when things are forced. And I think in many of their cases, it was forced. She said, This guy seems like a nice guy, he's very powerful. I know his family, and he was thinking, She's beautiful. And I think they kind of got married out of convenience. It worked for both of them. But that's, I think, as many people know, that's the wrong reason to get married. You should get married because you love somebody. Because you want to be their partner. You want to be on the same team as them. But a sad and true fact is that over 50% of marriages end in divorce. So if you were going to go to Las Vegas and bet on weddings... Uh, I would bet against them. Unfortunately, you guys know me. I'm a hopeless lover. And speaking of, we've got an FYI episode on weddings and on Las Vegas. If you haven't heard them, give them a listen. Let's take a look at some factors that led to the divorce. I guess the first thing is it was a crowded marriage. A normal marriage, okay, it's your wife and you and maybe your mother-in-law chimes in. da su opinion from time to time. But what about if you have a whole family? And these are strict people who are used to doing things their way. They're used to doing things in the public eye. So she didn't marry a man. She married a family. She married a country. She married the world. And that led to her having no privacy. And she really wanted to make the marriage work. She saw her parents' failed marriage and she said, Well, my fate is not going to be that fate. My marriage is not going to end that way. And sadly, it did. She publicly revealed the affair with Camilla in her book, Diana, her true story. I recommend you read it if you haven't read it. It's fascinating. And I think what it was, I mean, this is, this is such a sad thing when you think about it. The whole world loved her, except for her husband. That's, I mean, think about that. She's like, I got the attention of the whole world, except the guy I live in the same house with. And as with any divorce, it turns into the blame game. Ah, oh, it's your fault. No, no, it's your fault. We call this the blame game, pointing the finger at somebody else. And yes, he was an adulterer. He cheated on her. In fact, I read that he thought it was his God-given right. And she was not innocent either. She had her affairs and, of course, all of them came to light. His and hers, and I don't think the royal family likes airing their dirty laundry. I think you say "airear sus trapos or algo así. Same idea. She was in a relationship with a guy named James Hewitt for five years. Some say that that guy is Harry's real father. Yeah, there are a lot of theories as well as to who the kids belong to. Then, this is crazy, this one, she was with one of her bodyguards, a guy named Barry Manikey. And when they found out about the affair, Prince Charles himself removed this guy from his duties. And he mysteriously died in a motorcycle accident less than a year later. How convenient we'll see there are a lot of accidents, quote-unquote, accidents that come up throughout this story. And we'll look at just that. Are these accidents or are these people, these people who are deemed as problems, just being taken out of the way? The royal family doesn't want anybody out there gossiping about them or making money off their stories. And in a documentary based on the book, Diana, in her own words, that was on Channel 4. I'm sure you can find this stuff on the internet. Diana, in her own words, the book and the documentary. She said, When I was 24 or 25, I was deeply in love with someone who worked in this environment. But then he was chucked out. echado, And he was killed. These are Princess Di's words. Eventually, he had to go. And then three weeks after he left... He was killed in a motorbike accident. He was the greatest love I've ever had. And that was a real killer. I think he was bumped off. Fue matado. And I think if anybody knows about how much power these people have, it would be her. And we'll see more on this in the bonus episode. My question is, is it possible that Diana met her fate in the same way? Or was it just an accident? We'll explore that more in the bonus episode. When it finally became unbearable, the queen herself advised the couple to get a divorce. And on December 20th, 1995, Buckingham Palace announced that Charles and Diana would be getting a divorce. Charles then made a statement soon after, and Diana waited. She waited till much later... ...to make her statement. And this was yet another thing... ...that the royal family didn't like. They couldn't control her. And what about Diana the mother? Because we're talking about the girl... ...when she was growing up. We're talking about the young princess. But what about as a mom? It seemed like she was a role model of a mom. She was a loving, caring mom... ...who protected her kids. But she protected them... ...without sheltering them. And speaking of shelters... She brought them to homeless shelters when they were little kids just to see that they were very privileged and many people didn't live like they did. And she was fiercely protective against the paparazzi when they would come. I remember seeing a video of her on a ski vacation and she went up to the paparazzi as a mad mom. Madre enfadada like, please respect our privacy. These are children. It was amazing. I said, that is a mother, not a queen, not a princess, not a royal. That's a mother saying, do not touch my children. Don't even take a photo of my children. And that, that's great. You know, what? what's better for a child than feeling like their parent is going to come through, cumplir, estar ahí cuando le necesitan. And her two sons have nothing but fond memories of her, just like all of us. And a lot of people remember her and remember where they were, that tragic day that she lost her life in Paris. Right now, we're going to hear from one of my students. She's an interstellar student. She is loved by the whole community, and she's made so much progress. I'm proud of her. Her fellow students are proud of her, and she should be proud of herself. And I'm talking about Carmen. Let's hear from Carmen right now. She's going to tell us where she was when she found out this horrible news.
1: I was 35 by the time Princess Di had that fatal car accident in Paris in 1997. By that day, I probably was hanging in there, taking the most advantage of my weekend. And my mother was the person who let me know that sad piece of news. For me, it was a really shocking news because I looked up to Princess Di She was a groundbreaking person, but most of all, a philanthropist royal celebrity. I beg that if Princess Di had kept going with her charity works on the band of landmines or on the awareness of HIV and so on, the world would be much better for good.
0: Thank you, thank you, Carmen. Excellent job. I remember myself, I was up in upstate New York, right on the border of Canada. And we were fishing. That's what it was. We went on a fishing trip with my dad, my sister, and a friend of mine. And this was on Lake Ontario. And I remember being in this little hotel with a little TV, and everybody was glued to the TV. It's like the streets emptied out, and everybody everywhere was paying attention and that doesn't happen all the time that's that happens in major events in life september 11th pearl harbor and yes diana's marriage and her eventual death her funeral just like her marriage attracted 2.5 billion viewers on tv so if you do the math that's much more than the actual wedding which proved that it wasn't about charles ever it was always about diana Oh, and again, in 1997, 2.5 billion people was about half the world's population. I guess that's why she'll always be remembered as the princess of the people. I sure hope you'll join us in the bonus episode of FYI.